For years now, the libs have claimed that the MAGA movement is a fringe political phenomenon, that it does not represent the mainstream of American politics, that it doesn't even represent the mainstream of the Republican Party, despite Donald Trump's winning the nomination twice and the presidency at least once. They claim that even if Trump did win the presidency, he didn't win the popular vote. His views are minority views, and very few people really like him at all, which is pretty rich coming from Democrats since, as usual, pretty much every accusation that they hurl at Trump and the conservatives and all of us applies much more clearly to themselves. A new poll from ABC News and the Washington Post, not exactly right-wing outlets, shows that just 35% of Democrats and Democrat-leaning independents want Joe Biden to be the Democrat nominee for president in 2024. That's not 35% of Americans, which would be pretty astounding even in and of itself. We're talking about 35% of Democrats who think that this guy should be president. Obviously, it's a much lower percentage of Americans overall who think that the guy should be in the Oval Office. The most basic takeaway from this poll is that for all their praise of our sacred democracy, the Democrats actually don't care all that much about our alleged democracy and are more than happy to impose their radical views and agenda on the majority of people that rejects them. But the more important takeaway is a lesson that radical leftists learned a long time ago, a lesson that conservatives seem to forget. Political movements don't need majority support to get things done, to be successful. In fact, virtually every significant political movement in history has been brought about not by the majority, but by distinct minorities. From the Jacobins to the Bolsheviks to the radical elites of our own times who, despite constantly ignoring the will of the people on pretty much every issue, on immigration, on industry, on foreign policy, on obviously the weird sex stuff, on everything in between, nevertheless, always seem to find themselves entrenched in power. And we conservatives can mock them, or we can complain, or we can shout our frustration from the rooftops, but maybe the better strategy would be to learn from them. And maybe, just maybe, take a little bit of power back ourselves. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Laura's Heart, who says, very proud to be Italian right now. Funny how nobody on the left will congratulate Georgia Maloney for being the first woman prime minister in Italy. Oh, well, of course, she's not a woman. She's not a woman. She would only be a woman if she were a liberal politician, but she's a conservative politician, a successful conservative politician, and a conservative politician who is successful, who is talking about things that actually matter, not just stupid marginal tax rates, but immigration, life, family, culture, tradition, all the stuff that actually matters to people. And so the libs write her off. I remember I was, I was running a great blog when I was, I think it was my senior year of college, a pal and I started it, which was, we would just post actual quotes from gender studies departments and like, like publish gender studies papers. We would just post quotes of them. And that was the whole blog. And one of them was a quote from a published work of gender studies, which said that a Sarah Palin is not a woman 
because she is conservative. By being conservative, she relinquished her womanhood. What is a woman? I don't know. People have been asking that question, I guess, for a very, very long time. I do know that if you're a man, you're going to remain a man until the end of your life. If you're a woman, you're going to remain a woman until the end of your life. There's nothing you can do to change it. And speaking of the end of your life, you got to check out Epic Will. Right now, head on over to epicwill.com. Use promo code Knowles. You know what I just had to do? I had to update my will. I've had a will since I was 18, and I had to update my will because I just had my sweet little second son. So you got to make sure that this is all up to date because I care about what happens to my stuff. I care about what happens to my money. But more than that, I care about what happens to my kids. And your will, it's important to get all of your assets locked away and, and tell people where those should go when you finally kick it. But you especially want to know what's going to happen with your kids and your family. Right now, just take the time. Head on over to Epic Will and protect everything that's going to happen to your kingdom. All the stuff that matters to you after you die. We're talking about your last will, your living will, your healthcare power of attorney. The list goes on and on and on. Right now, it's just 119 bucks. You can get a will. And especially when you use promo code Knowles, you can save 10% on Epic Will's complete will package. That is epicwill.com, promo code Knowles. The Democrats obviously are are catering to a very radical minority of the American people right now on all the big issues that they're pushing, on immigration, on really even the structure of our society, on certainly this weird sex stuff and the drag queen story hour and the gender bathrooms and all that crap. The, The Democrats are not speaking as the voice of the majority of the American people. They're speaking to a very, very fringe minority. All the while, they're ignoring mainstream bread and butter issues, and not even just the issues that conservatives care about in the rural parts of the middle of the country. We're talking about regular old urgent issues that even liberals living in cities care about, issues like crime. Corinne Jean-Pierre, the president's spokesman, was just asked, does Joe Biden believe that today in Biden's America, America's big cities are safe. Corinne Jean-Pierre pretended not even to understand the question. Does President Biden think America's big cities are safe? Can you say more? Well, we know that thefts and robberies are up about 20% in the first half of this year, so I'm wondering if he thinks America's big cities are safe. Are you talking about the New York Times story specifically? Or yeah, is that what you're referring to? The murder rate is still 30% above its 2019 level. They're all from the Council on Criminal Justice. So uh, we've seen some high profile mm-hmm. examples of this. The uh, Washington commander's running back was being mugged. He got shot. Uh, Karen Bass, member of Congress, had her house robbed. These are high profile people. So should everyday Americans who are not in the public eye feel safe. So I'll, I'll say this, um, that same story also uh, stated that the crime is complicated and multifaceted. Uh, look, this is a president uh, who has secured historic funding uh, to make sure that uh, law enforcement has what it needs, uh, especially, and he was able to do this uh, in the face of opposition from Republicans. So her first reaction is to pretend like she doesn't understand the question. Very simple question, by the way. Are the cities safe? Um, I'm sorry, you're going to need to, what? What do you mean? It depends on what the definition of city is. What, what do you mean by safe? I mean, like I won't get shot. Um, I don't, are you referring to a news story? I'm referring to a simple question. Are the cities safe? Well, look, it's complicated. Crime is really complicated. 
Like sometimes they want to steal your watch, but other times they want to steal your purse. So, and sometimes they stab you and other times they shoot you. So it's really complicated. And I don't, it's just like, we can't oversimplify by, and so first she pretends not to understand the question. Then she does that thing that all the libs do. And they always do this in academia, especially. They just say, well, we've got to, we've got to complicate it. We've got to problematize. It's really, nothing's really simple anymore. And then, then she denies it right? Then she says, well, it doesn't make any sense because Joe Biden has all these great policies that are supposed to fix crime, right? And then, but the obvious answer to that is, right, but they're not doing that. They're not fixing crime. No, 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 but Peter, you don't understand. He secured a lot of money to fix the crime for his policies. Right. I know there would seem to be a disagreement between the theory that you guys are pushing and the reality, the, the consequences of your policies in the real world. And when there's a disagreement between uh, reality and theory, what normal sane people do is they throw out the theory. What Democrats do is they throw out the reality. And they, this has been a consistent pattern, specifically from Corinne Jean-Pierre, and she's just the mouthpiece for the White House. So it's the pattern from the White House is they just deny that it's happening. We're in a recession. Oh, no, we're not. What do you mean we're not? We've had two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. No, no, that's not what a recession is anymore. No, we're not in that anymore. Uh, We've got record high inflation. No, we don't. What are you talking about? We don't have inflation. uh, The the goods now cost eight and a half percent at least above what they did last year. Yeah, no, but that's not how we're going to measure inflation anymore. Now we're just going to go month to month. And it's actually still up a little bit month to month, but it's not, it's no, no, never mind. Nothing to see here. What about all the crime? People are getting robbed and stabbed and killed. And no, no, Biden secured funding. These are not the droids you're looking for. Pay no attention. So for issues that really matter to people, I'm not talking about those of us who think about politics a lot and those of us who have maybe a little more of a systematic view of of the way politics ought to work and and a view of the world, which if you are listening to this show, I'm not flattering you. just, but It is simply a fact. If you are listening to this show, you are very plugged into politics. You think about these things. You have have a certain viewpoint. You have a way that you want the world to look. And for most people, probably they don't spend all that time on that. Maybe they're spending their time thinking about other things. They're, They're not political nerds, reading all the latest reports and watching the latest press conferences. And and for those people, the important political issues are are not industrial policy. The hot, the the you know abstract sort of industrial policy. It's not uh, even abortion. A lot of us care a lot a lot about abortion. For for most people, they don't pay that much attention to it. It's not a top priority. But I promise you, one of the top priorities, safety. Can I walk outside? Can I? Is my is my family, is my property going to be safe? My home, my car, <laughs> are these things going to be safe? And the White House says, we ignore that. Who cares? We don't care about any of that stuff. Okay, to say nothing of then when you get to the more ideological questions, what is a man? What is a woman? What is human life? Are we going to kill babies? Are we going to let men go into the little girl's room? Are we going to sell away our sovereignty to transnational organizations? Are we going to let woke corporations that are being pressured by the Biden administration be the kind of... uh, enforcement mechanism for the the sorts of things that the Biden administration wants to do that they're not legally permitted to do, like censor their opponents in the public square. All all of those questions, the libs are totally 
the aggressors here, okay? And they're out of step with the American tradition, and they are really ramping up some pretty radical policies, okay? But even on the bread and butter, normal stuff, can you leave your home? Even on that, they're completely failing. And so when I look at that situation, I look at Biden's poll numbers, and I look at the just absolute dismal state of the country on pretty much every metric, I think there is no way that a normal person could support these people. And the numbers back me up. Normal people are not supporting these people. The ones who are supporting Biden right now are the radicals and the in, in enshrined established powers that be, and specifically a subset of that group, the squish Republicans. I'm talking about people like Adam Kinzinger. I'm talking about people like Liz Cheney, people that we really, really should have booted out of our political movement a long time ago. And when you want to replace people who are in your organization and get the best people possible to, to do the job, you obviously got to check out ZipRecruiter. Right now, head on over to ZipRecruiter.com slash Knowles. Did you know that there are currently over 2.4 million podcasts in the world, including the one you're listening to right now? That's crazy. That's a huge number. It takes a team of people to bring those podcasts together. We got the audio engineers, we've got the editors, we've got my associate producers, I love them, and we've got, we've got Ben Davies, the producer, for now. I don't know. Thankfully, there's ZipRecruiter.com. We can figure out what we need, okay? Hiring the right people for these roles is important. And whether you're hiring for a podcast or for your growing business, there's only one place that makes it easy, ZipRecruiter. Now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Knowles. Easily review your recommended candidates, invite your top choices to apply. ZipRecruiter's got a complete suite of tools, makes it super easy to filter, review, and rate your candidates. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. If you want to try ZipRecruiter for free today, you need to remember this special URL, ZipRecruiter.com slash Knowles. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash K-N-O-W-L-E-S. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Liz Cheney as a a threat. She's saying that if Donald Trump is the nominee in 2024 for the Republicans, she, she might leave the Republican Party. I think that Donald Trump is, he's the only president in American history who refused to guarantee a peaceful transition of power. And so um, now the fact that my party has refused in the months since then to stand up to him, I think does tell you how sick the party is. I'm going to make sure Donald Trump, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure he's not the nominee. And if he is the nominee, I won't be a Republican. Okay. Thank you. Liz Cheney out of the Republican Party? Don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> Liz Cheney, of course, is not a Republican. She might pretend to be a Republican. She might, when she goes on to all of the Democrat news networks to attack the Republicans, she might put an R next to her name. And, but she was, first of all, she was kicked out of her own state party. The Wyoming Republican Party booted her out. But let, let's say she, she identifies as a Republican. For practical purposes, she is not a Republican. And why not? I don't want to play psychobabble. I don't want to say it's because of her pride. I don't want to say it's because she got Trump derangement syndrome because Donald Trump attacked her and attacked her father and, and the, some of the administrations she worked for. I, I'm, I don't know why Liz Cheney is doing this, but it is simply a fact she is, for all intents and purposes, a Democrat. She voted for Joe Biden last time. And that's simply unacceptable. That's un we talked about this a little bit yesterday on the show. 
Joe Biden sent his jackbooted thug FBI agents to the home of a pro-life author and advocate, a man who peacefully demonstrates outside of abortion clinics. And he sent these jackbooted FBI thugs to point their rifles at this man and his family and his seven children and terrorize the family. And it's just, it's, it's just the, the latest acceleration of an attack by the Biden administration on Christians, on conservatives, on pro-lifers in particular. The Biden administration, which describes parents who don't want their kids to be taught critical race theory and weird sex stuff in school as a domestic extremist threat, basically calling these people terrorists. The Biden administration, don't forget Joe Biden back in the Obama administration, that administration sued nuns because the nuns didn't want to kill little babies and go along with the left's radical sexual revolution agenda. Joe Biden, who refers to half the country, who refers to you as semi-fascists and extreme threats to our democracy. Joe Biden, who is hiring up 87,000 IRS agents to attack you. Joe Biden, who time and time again is attacking conservatives, now imposing abortion, despite the court's ruling in Dobbs, imposing abortion in in pro-life states. Okay, it is not acceptable Joe Biden, who is now imposing child transgenderism through his federal bureaucracy, castrating little kids. Joe Biden, who's hiring overt Satanists, guys who actually have pentagrams on their chest, okay? It's not acceptable to defend this stuff, to say nothing of the lawlessness, the open borders, the, 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 the attacks on pretty much every American way of life. It's not defensible. I don't want to hear, oh, Liz Cheney, she's just got a different point of view. Oh, well, you know, it's sort of reasonable. Reasonable minds can disagree. Sure, but reasonable minds cannot support Joe Biden, okay? Joe Biden says we're in a war for the soul of our nation, and he allies himself with, with actual Satanists and actively promotes castrating little kids and putting them on cross sex hormones and killing a, a bunch of other little kids and, and keeping the border open and flooding the country with foreigners and suppressing our political rights and censoring us and, and throwing grannies who showed up to the Capitol Rotunda in, into, into solitary confinement. Meanwhile, encouraging BLM and Antifa to riot and kill people. I just don't want to hear it. I just don't want to hear it. Yeah, we are in a soul, a battle for the soul of our nation. And you've got to pick a side. There is no neutrality. There is no reasonable minds disagree here, okay? And Liz Cheney has said, and, and the, the squishes that she stands for, there aren't very many of them, but some people are saying, yeah, I'll vote for Joe Biden when the going gets tough. Okay, fine. But then you're not, you know, you're not a Republican. It's not reasonable. And I have absolutely no respect for the woman. It's just like we were talking about those FBI agents yesterday. I try to distinguish between the good the good FBI agents who do good work and who sometimes have to follow bad orders and the corrupt Biden officials who are running the FBI and the DOJ. But sometimes you can't let the, the agents off the hook. And when those agents got the call to go raid the home of the pro-lifer and his, and his wife and his seven kids for no reason, uh, then I don't let those agents off the hook. I, I hold them personally morally responsible for what they're doing, okay? And I think that they're, they should be greatly ashamed and they should apologize and they should resign and they should refuse the order. And I don't want to hear, oh, well, you know, it was a very confusing time. It's very complicated, like Corinne Jean-Pierre says. It's not that complicated. But Ronald Reagan said that the path forward sometimes is simple. Not easy necessarily, but simple. That there's really no difference between a left and a right, only an up or a down. Well, pick a side. Pick a side. You want to see what they're doing? In Chattanooga, Tennessee, Chattanooga, Tennessee, this is supposed to be a right-wing place. They just held a youth 
gay pride event. These are words that should not go in the same sentence ever. They hold a youth gay pride event at which a little girl was, was massaging, stroking the, the groin of one of the performers. I don't even know if the performer was a man or a woman. This clip by way of Robbie Starbuck. We've blurred out the girl's face and it's really horrifying, but you can still make it out a little bit blurry. She's just stroking this person's pelvis. I don't know if it's a man, I don't know if it's a woman. He's, he or she is dressed up in a mermaid costume. Then you've got some other pervert jumps out in drag, wearing a tiny little miniskirt and lifts his leg up for it to a tiny little kid. Then you got another one walking around with, this one is clearly a dude, dressed up in drag, shaking his exposed derriere to a, what looks like, I don't know, an eight or nine year old boy. That's happening in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So if you vote for the Democrats, if you vote for the Libs, you're voting for this stuff. And that's a lot different than, well, I think we should have slightly more immigration. Well, I think we should maybe raise tax rates on corporations a little bit. That is, this is some sick, demonic stuff. And if you vote for these people, you're supporting this. And I, I think, I think you're going to be held morally accountable for this. Okay. In, in this life, in the life of the world to come, more importantly, I just, it's not good for your soul. It's not good for the country. There's no reason to support these people. I, I have to ask myself, why is this happening in the middle of the country? You actually don't see stuff this crazy in San Francisco or in New York City. You see plenty of crazy stuff out there, but you, you would expect to see crazier things in San Francisco and New York and Chicago and wherever, but you don't. It's, it's these weird towns in Iowa or Mississippi or Ch- now Chattanooga where you're seeing the craziest version of this stuff. Little kids actually stroking the genitals of these drag pervert performers to a bunch of clapping seals who are, who are their, their parents who should have their kids taken away from them and, and the other adults in the room. Why? I think that shows you the power of this kind of cultural imperialism that you're seeing from the libs, especially in the coastal cities. Because the, the libs in the coastal cities, no matter what they preach, they do tend to want nice things. They tend to be richer. They tend to be more established. And they, they want to keep their own kind of semi-civilized way of life going on. But they preach all this crap to everybody. And then it's, it's very often in the smaller towns that are not as, I don't know, immune to the craziest predations of this radical culture. That's where you see it really explode. Where there's, there are no guardrails whatsoever and it goes completely off the rails. But, but we would be fooling ourselves if we say, well, that's San Francisco for you. That's why, okay, that's why I'm, I'm in a good old red state like Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee is, I, I'm breathing much freer air here in Tennessee. But this crap is coming to Tennessee. And it's coming to Iowa, and it's coming to Mississippi, and it's coming to, it's coming to a red state near you, and a red town near you. Okay? So it's really, really a big problem. And we are not going to solve it by burying our heads in the sand. What are we supposed to do about it? Well, If you think that that is the end of the line, if you think that that's the bottom of the slippery slope, I got another thing for you. Pink News, which is not a satire website. It's not a homophobic website. It's an LGBT website. They have a headline. Why can't gay or lesbian twins have sex with or marry each other? Why is incest wrong between same-sex siblings? And I know the first reaction to this is going to be one of absolute revulsion. 
And then a kind of mockery from, from people on the left, the people on the left who didn't write this and who aren't running Pink News. Clearly, those leftists are taking it seriously. But some people, the kind of moderate libs, are going to say, oh, come on. Come on, that's a slippery slope argument. Right, like all of the, all of the correct arguments about this weird sex stuff. Come on, that's a slippery slope argument. Come on, we all know why it's wrong. Okay, then here's my challenge to you. Tell me why it's wrong. Given the premises on marriage, on sex, on individual liberties or whatever that we've all accepted in our modern American way of life, Tell me why it is wrong for gay or lesbian twins, siblings, who they're not at risk of procreation, not at risk of creating a child who's, you know, at at higher risk for certain abnormalities, and therefore you might make some, some argument, well, the child didn't consent or whatever kind of lame moral arguments the modern libs make. Tell me, there's no risk of having a kid. Why is that, why is incest between gay siblings wrong. If you, if you can't explain it, then you, I'm, I think you've got a very bad case of liberal modernity. Pink News wants to know, why can't gay or lesbian twins have sex with or marry each other? Well, the reason is because, to quote the great bioethicist and philosopher and theologian Norm MacDonald, Sex is a filthy, shameful thing that's obviously only meant for procreation, <laughs> which is not, that answer from Norm is actually about 85% right. There's a little more to it than that. Well, why? Well, because sex is a very powerful human thing. And so we have this, um, this institution, which happens to be the fundamental political institution, which is called marriage, that actually helps us to make sense of our sexual desires and our sexual nature. And marriage is the union of one man and one woman uh, for the sake of the generation and education of children. And everyone understood this until about five minutes ago. Now that's all gone out the wayside. And now we say, what is marriage? Tell me what marriage is. Since 2015, since a distinct political minority radically redefined marriage against the will of the American people, kind of weird, kind of like how a lot of political movements take shape, regardless of their democratic pretensions. When that happened, then marriage became the union of two people who love each other, regardless of their sex. Okay, but my best friend and I, we love each other. Not that way. But, you know, we love each other. So are we married? No, we're not married. Because you have to, I guess you maybe have to have sex to be married. But no, you don't have to have sex to be married. There's no requirement that you will have sex. I mean, that traditionally you had to consummate a marriage for it to be considered a marriage, but I, that we've redefined marriage. That's not in there. So what is it? Is it, well, if, if sexual difference isn't at the heart of marriage, okay, if it, then what is marriage? If it's just about two people who get a certain romantic pleasure from one another, then why can't the twins do it? To consenting adults, right? Well, my answer, the conservative answer is because consent is not all that matters. There are some behaviors that are wrong many behaviors that are wrong, actually, that are, that are remain wrong and ought to be suppressed, including by the heavy hand of the state, even if the adults sort of consent to it. Uh, the relationship between a drug dealer and a drug addict, that is a seemingly consensual sort of relationship, even though addiction compromises our ability to consent, just like all sin compromises our ability to consent because the man who sins is a slave to sin. But let's say that you got the relationship between a drug dealer, the heroin dealer, and the heroin addict. 
Today, at least for now, at least in most of America, we say that that consensual relationship is, is illegal. They cannot do the thing that the drug dealers and the drug users do together because there is, there is a higher moral consideration than consent. And we used to understand this about sex. That's certainly one of the arguments against incest. But if we can't do that, if we're not allowing ourselves to articulate moral considerations that are deeper and higher, actually, than mere consent, then we're totally sunk, then we're totally lost. We're, we're, we're starting to work our way back there a little bit. You're seeing this in the fight over the, the pediatric gender clinics. Even though still, it's, that moral argument is still focused on consent, right? And the argument is the kids can't consent. And the parents are consenting on behalf of the kids, but the parents are extremely deranged if they're willing to take their kids in to get their body parts chopped off so that a little boys can seem more like little girls. And so we're saying that there's no real consent going on here. We got to shut it down. And there's great news. Tennessee lawmakers are now looking at legislation to crack down on the child gender transitions. This is in large part thanks to Matt Walsh. And Matt Walsh broke the story personally. And then it was thanks to a lot of the research by the team here at the Daily Wire that was able to do that. So now you're seeing some legislation to, to stop the kid gender clinics. I think we need to go further than that, though. And I'm not, I floated this idea yesterday, and some people thought I was kidding. I'm not kidding. Because I think we need gender clinics. I actually think it's good to have gender clinics. And w- right now, what the gender clinics do is they take confused little boys who think that they're little girls, and then they mold them, sometimes surgically, to look more like little girls. And certainly psychologically, they mold them to seem more like little girls, and and vice versa. They take little confused girls, and they mold them to seem more like little boys. And And that's horrible. The next best thing that we could do would be to get rid of those gender clinics. But the, really the best thing that we would do is have gender clinics that take confused little boys and mold them to be more like little boys and take confused little girls and mold them to be more like little girls. So you, you might call the little girl one uh, the, the beauty salon, <laughs> you know, the, the hair styling place, the mani-pedi shop. That's what the doctor should do. The doctor should see the confused Teenage girl comes in, says, I think I'm a boy. So, okay, well, you're obviously not a boy. So I'm going to write you a prescription for one mani-pedi. Here you go. Go to the beauty salon and get your nails done. Or the boy comes in. We used to have these kinds of gender clinics. You know, the boy, would be a little confused. I think I'm a girl. No, I don't think you are. I'm going to prescribe you one uh, year in Boy Scouts. Yeah, you're going to go camping, you know, and start a fire. Or maybe if it's an older teenage boy, you say, I'm going to prescribe you two cigars at the local cigar lounge talking to men about man stuff. Here you go. I'm going to prescribe you to three hours at the gym. I kind of, I actually missed that particular gender clinic. That was, that was never my cup of tea. I more favored, you know, the other one, but it, I, I mean this sincerely. I know it sounds like I'm joking and I'm, it's, it's a kind of funny idea, but I mean it sincerely. It, it's, it's kind of like the free speech issue. Conservatives, used to understand free speech, and then we kind of lost our way for 20 years, and now we're starting to get it a little bit again. This is what my book, Speechless, was about. There's no such thing as neutrality. There's no such thing as, we need free speech for everybody, and we should have no taboos and no standards, and nothing's off limits at all. That's never existed in any society. It's not possible. Cultures and societies are defined by our taboos and what's off limits and what's held sacred and, and all the rest. So the question is not 
free speech versus censorship. It's what the standards are and, and what, what is it going to be? Used to be that you could teach the Bible in school. You couldn't teach porn in school. Now it's the opposite, right? You can't teach the Bible in school and they do teach porn in school. So we got we to gotta fight over those standards. Well, it's the same thing here. There's no, there's no neutrality when it comes to gender. In fact, that's what the libs want. The libs want there to be a neutrality where we're all just kind of asexual gray blobs who are completely androgynous and use whatever bathroom they're in. But no, actually, human nature has, is, has something intrinsically to do with sexual difference. The fact that there are men and women in this world is one of the most beautiful aspects of the world. And men have an obligation to act like men even if they don't want to, even if they're kind of confused. And women have an obligation to act like women. Gender expression is real. That's not, it's not made up. It's real. And the men should act more masculine and the women should act more feminine. Speaking of women's issues, a 19-year-old TikToker has just gone viral because, very sad story, she just got a, a blood clot and she got the blood clot from her hormonal birth control. Take a listen. So she's got the text here on the, on the TikTok, uh, starts to get a slight headache. She's in a hospital bed, takes Tylenol, hoping it'll go away. Headache doesn't go away, turns into a pounding migraine. And she takes Excedrin, hoping the migraine will go away. She seems like she's in good spirits as she recovers. And then the migraine continues for days starts sweating profusely, starts to vomit, getting really, really sick. Heads to urgent care. You have a cortisone shot. They say it's really just a just bad migraine, but it's not just a bad migraine. Then, then the cortisone thing works for a little bit. Then she goes to the ER because she's still got this horrible pounding headache. Gets blood work and MRIs. Turns out she's got a blood clot in the brain because she's been taking birth control for three years and that's what caused it. So you got to give credit to this TikToker because she turns even a life-threatening, horrifying experience into great content. She's kind of dancing in the little hospital bed and and she seems to be, you know, in in decent spirits as she recovers. But she could have died, easily could have died from that. And then you got to ask yourself, what would she have died for? She would have died for the possibility of having promiscuous sex. And I'm not even shaming her for this. Young girls all over America are pressured into taking hormonal birth control. It is like a given. When, even when I, was a, when I was a wee lad, not that long ago, when I was growing up, all the girls in suburban New York were put on birth control from age 12 onward, probably. Their parents put them on it. And sometimes there'd be some excuse, oh, it regulates their menstrual cycle or something. But it was really just to put them on it so that when they did have promiscuous sex, they they wouldn't get pregnant. That's what it was about. For what? This woman almost died for something that really is only desired by men. Like, I know that women have convinced themselves because of feminism that uh, they really want to uh, have promiscuous sex with lots of men, but they don't. Men and women relate to sex differently, and men have every, <laughs> every sort of natural drive to have promiscuous sex with lots and lots of women. And women don't really have that. Women have different incentives, and because of the fact of pregnancy, and because of their biochemistry, and because of just what makes a woman a woman. 
So you think, why would she do this? There obviously are side effects. You're not allowed to talk about that. You're not allowed to talk about the side effects of birth control. You're not allowed to talk about the side effects of the COVID vaccines, heaven forfend. You're not allowed to talk about any of the side effects of our, of our public health establishment and all the kind of crap that they pump us with. But it's all there. And for what? This woman, this young woman would be much healthier and much happier if she didn't take this stuff. And it seems radical today. It seems radical today to live in a way that people lived 50 years ago. Forget 50, even 30, 40 years ago. It seems so radical. That's how much the libs, these, this radical minority of people has shifted the Overton window. Okay. But it doesn't need to be this way. Young girls, teenage girls, you don't, you don't need to give yourself blood clots just to make men happy so that you can maybe entice them to stay with you beyond a one night stand. Okay. You don't have to do that. There is another option. There is a better way of life available to us. Do you like money? Specifically, do you like making companies money, saving companies money, making other people save money who would otherwise spend it? Have we got a job for you? Daily Wire has a Nashville-based opening for a chief financial officer. The CFO will oversee our accounting, FP&A, and ad sales teams. Eight to 10 years of experience in financial management is ideal. Prior relevant experience within an established media or subscription-based organization is required. Agility as a leader is key. The company is in hyper growth mode and we constantly break and rebuild things to successfully scale at the rate that we do. This sounds like you head on over to dailywire.com slash careers to apply. Speaking of birth, great news out of Arizona. And this is one of these delightful sort of political stories, not only in the effect it has on policy, but just in the way it came about. Arizona outlawed abortion. Arizona didn't outlaw abortion after Dobbs or even right before Dobbs. Arizona outlawed abortion in 1864. That was law on the books. And then there were a bunch of challenges to it in the years right before Roe v. Wade. And then it was overturned. It was called unconstitutional for whatever reason. And then it was sort of reinstated. And then you get the Roe v. Wade decision, which says there's a national right to abortion somewhere in the invisible text of the Constitution. And so the 1864 abortion ban in Arizona goes on ice. But now Roe v. Wade is not the law of the land. Planned Parenthood v. Casey, not the law of the land. And a judge, the Arizona Superior Court Judge Kelly Johnson, has just ruled that Arizona's near-total abortion ban, which goes back to 1864, can take effect really good stuff. Obviously it should. The libs were going to try to figure out some way to undermine the will of the people, right? This is a democratically passed law. And some people are going to say, well, yeah, but it's democratically passed, but it was passed back in 1864. Right. That's true. Laws don't need to be passed again and again and again every single year. That's not what democracy is. In fact, democracy in practice involves not just the people that are walking around today, but a much broader group of people. It includes even the democracy of the dead, to use Chesterton's phrase. That's how a political order uh, remains stable and grows over time. And this was a democratic law, and the libs wanted to suppress the will of the people, and it didn't work. This is really great news. It's great news because it will, at least for now, severely limit the number of abortions in Arizona, which is awesome, and which most people certainly will get on board with. More importantly than that, though, it is a reminder that pro-life, the pro-life movement and perspective 
is really, really deep in the American tradition. What the libs have tried to argue is that, oh, abortion, it was not really a big deal. And no one even thought about this. And when they did, they favored abortion. Abortion's totally fine. It's just these radical new Republicans starting, I don't know, around the 1960s or 70s. That's when they really came after abortion. And that's just not true. That is just not true. Going all the way back, not just to 1864, but actually, if you go back to the, the time before the, the American Revolution, if you go to Blackstone's commentaries even, which is so important to English common law, which we heavily rely on here in the American legal tradition, our, our political tradition, our ancestors considered babies in the womb to be human beings. Okay, there's a strong argument that the 14th Amendment actually outlaws abortion at a national level. Certainly in the Civil Rights Acts passed just after the Civil War, you, you see this. The, the American tradition is pro-life. The radicals who pretend otherwise, who pretend that there's some constitutional right to an abortion or whatever, they're making it up out of whole cloth. And the people who want abortion on demand without apology until the moment of birth, it's not the majority of people. It's a, a distinct minority of people. And in terms of people who want just abortion access whenever, it's something like 6% of the American people. It's, it's nobody, okay? 94% of Americans oppose that. Doesn't matter. They got their way for 50 years. Brings us right back to what we were talking to at the top of the show. Conservatives, we can mock this. We can complain. We can say it's not fair. We can say it's so wrong. Yeah, sure. We should learn from that too. Political movements that are effective are always a minority of people. A, a dedicated, devoted, focused, courageous minority. That's who gets things done. I mean, just even think about our sacred democracy. In our sacred democracy, only half the country votes anyway. Half the country votes, and then half of that half votes for one party, and half of that half votes for the other party. So even when we're talking about the broadest level of American politics, we're only really talking about a quarter of the country doing anything, electing a president or whatever. And when we're talking about these specific kinds of movements, the sexual revolution, obviously, abortion activism, the drag queen story hour insanity, we're talking about a really small sliver of Americans who are getting things done because they have the political will to do it. Well, why, why don't conservatives take a lesson from that? Because we don't, we don't want to do anything. Because the conservatives are still stuck on a bunch of silly platitudes from the last 20 years. Well, I don't want the government involved. I don't. Well, then what are you running for office for? If you're not going to wield the government to do good things in a just way within the confines of the law and the Constitution, then I don't want you in office. I just think that actually if you elect me, I'm not going to do anything. Okay, then go away. <laughs> That's fine. Go join Liz Cheney and the other losers. I want a conservative who's actually going to do stuff, not arbitrarily, not capriciously, but who's actually going to go in and, and follow the justice and truth and the American political tradition to restore this country to make America great again. That's what I want. Okay. Is that so much to ask? I don't think it is. Speaking of the abortion issue, think about how our opponents are wielding the state. So Joe Biden sends these jackbooted thugs in to attack the pro-lifer. And now the FBI is denying it, sort of. The headline is, FBI denies sending a SWAT team to arrest pro-life activist Mark Houck. Now, listen to how this is being reported. And this is even in Breitbart. So Breitbart's giving at least the context, the full story. But this is how it's being reported in the mainstream media. The FBI has denied sending a SWAT team of 25 to 30 agents to arrest Mark Houck. Okay, so what, what happened then? Well, what happened is, 
In a statement to Fox News, a spokesman with the, the FBI Philadelphia field office denied that the SWAT team had been used. Quote, there are inaccurate claims being made regarding to the arrest of Mark Houck. No SWAT team or SWAT operators were involved. FBI agents knocked on Mr. Houck's front door, identified themselves as FBI agents, and asked him to exit the residence. He did so and was taken into custody without incident pursuant to the indictment. But the FBI did not deny that 25 to 30 armed agents were on the scene and armored agents were on the scene, did not deny that Houck's children saw the agents point rifles at their father and mother to arrest him, and do not deny that they then threw him in the back of a car and took him away. So that they're, de- they're admitting that all this stuff happened. The only thing they're denying is that it wasn't a SWAT team. No, no, this is being completely misreported in the conservative media. No, it was, we sent some of our nicest agents there. They weren't the sort of special agents. They're just regular agents pointing rifles at this man and his wife while his seven kids are looking on in terror, showing up 25, 30 agents at his door, tossing him in the back of the car. Why? Because he thinks that maybe we shouldn't kill so many babies every year. Because he peacefully protested outside of an abortion clinic. That's why. And their denial is, oh, no, come on. No, we didn't send the exact category of agents you think we sent. They did all the stuff that you're alleging, but you know, it was a different, it was a different division. Fake news, 25 Pinocchios, give me a break. And they're doing, how are they getting away with this? This would have been unimaginable, unimaginable in America, at least for me. Maybe it was a failure of imagination on my part. I didn't think that there were so many evil people in our government doing such evil things. Maybe that was my own naivete, but now I know now I know. This stuff is not popular. This would not play in Peoria. It doesn't matter. They're doing it anyway. They got the power and they're willing to use it. Are we willing to win some political power back? Or more importantly, are we willing to flex that political power when we win it? I hope so. Otherwise, I guess we don't deserve to win. Because what we're hearing, you're seeing this huge movement of violence from the left. And then the libs, the same libs who are inflicting the violence, they go on TV and they say, gosh, you know, those Trumpers, they're so violent. John Heileman on MSNBC just came out. He said, these Trump supporters, they're going to take up arms against the Democrats. One in 2020, uh, Donald Trump got more votes in 2020 than he got in 2016. Uh, by, a, by a lot, millions more votes, right? Um, he still got whomped by Joe Biden in the popular vote. And yet he came within a few thousand votes because of our electoral college system in, in three states of winning electoral college victory. There's lots of ways that Donald Trump, as he did in 2016, as he came close to doing in 2020, can become president without winning a popular vote uh, majority. That's one thing. And I think that's very much in his head. He's been told over and over again by strategists that that is the path for him. Not, he can't win, a, a, but he, he couldn't in 2016, he couldn't in 2020, and he won't in 2024 win a majority vote. He'll, he has to straight, straight, he had to thread the needle and string together those 270 electoral votes and be a minority uh, president, number one. Number two, I don't think he cares about, he wants, he wants to, he knows that this, the core, the, the, the path for him forward is always about division, anger, energy. The division, dividing the country, reducing the core of his base down, but at the same time making that like into a sauce of a kind, right? It's like he reduces it down, it gets stronger, more virulent, more toxic, more energized, also more violent. Does Trump think about the, is he trying to necessarily stoke violence or does he not care? So this, this is really important. To the first point that he makes, he says, Trump never won the popular vote. Right. Because the presidency is not decided by the popular vote. 
if the presidency were decided by the popular vote, I bet you Trump would have won it. He didn't win it because his campaign strategy, like, like all sensible campaign strategies, is going to focus on this, the, the battleground states. So Trump doesn't campaign in California. He doesn't campaign in New York. No Republicans do. That would be a waste of time. That's not how you win the game. But if you won the, if you won the presidency based on popular vote, you'd see massive rallies in California, massive rallies in New York. You would see the votes shift. I bet you he would win the popular vote. But it's a moot point. That's not how the presidency is decided. To this guy's second point, do you see Republicans getting violent? I don't. I see Democrats running over 18-year-old conservatives for being conservative. I see major Democrat politicians calling for violence against Republicans. I see the president of the United States calling half the country fascist and saying we're an existential threat to the country. That's what I see. And I see leftists burning the country down for eight months at a time with the, with the uh, rhetorical and financial support of the Dems, of, of leading Democrats. That's what I see. Okay. And so I don't buy any of this crap. This is the same kind of tactics that you would see from dangerous radical political minorities throughout history, from the Bolsheviks, from the Jacobins to all of it. The libs are doing that. Okay. And they're doing it pretty successfully. Maybe it's because conservatives, we're outraged. We we mock them sometimes. We complain about it. We shout. Maybe we need to learn. Maybe we need to open up our ears a little bit and take a look at their successful tactics and then apply them not in the unjust way, immoral way that they are doing, but apply the same principles in a moral and just way. You know, the rest of the show is continuing now. You do not want to miss it. We are going to be joined by my friend, the great David Limbaugh. If you are not a member, click the link in the description and join us. We'll see you over there.